This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Tuesday, it is the 27th of February 2024. The Web AIM survey results are in, and we are ranting with David Lepofsky. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Yes, we will be uh, ranting today with the disability rights lawyer, David Lepofsky, but also with me today, ranter-in-chief, it's Sean Priest hey! back in the shed. We're back together again, Stephen Scott. It's great to be back, isn't it? Oh, it's so nice to be back. Although, do you know something? We have so many technical problems doing this show that oh. I think I'd rather you just came all the way to Glasgow every single day and we just do the show together. <laughs> It'd probably be quicker than <laughs> the be. constant restarts we've just had to do. And funnily enough, when we were away on tour, no problems whatsoever. None at all. Uh, mm. I mean, obviously the usual ones, like fighting over food. Can I just say, by the way, I am oh. kind of annoyed with you and oh. Mr. F., uh, yeah. Hello, Mr. F. Um, I'm, I'm annoyed with him as well because I was promised. I was promised. <laughs> I like, like, literally, it's across from your hotel. Yes. You can't miss it. It's yes. available to you. The hotel was picked, apparently, because of the vicinity of this particular. Yeah, you know, I'm going to say KFC, right? Uh, yeah, KFC. And I did I get one KFC? Did I even get a boneless fillet? thing I, I tell you no. what listeners it was quite possibly the saddest thing i've ever experienced in my life is stephen hanging around reception like a ghost <laughs> waiting for a delivery of for a 45 minutes a bucket of fried chicken we turned up in vienna in the evening time quite late i think i can't remember exactly in the what evening time, time yes in the evening time <laughs> uh, zone and um of course first thing we do as soon as we check in at reception is order. We find an app, order KFC, and um, <laughs> it never showed up. It never showed up at all. It was so sad. I think it was it was sad. And then the next morning I had to be reminded of this tragedy. Yes. Uh, because Mark Aflalo, who had done the order, uh, hadn't got the refund. So he was complaining about the refund, yeah. um, rightly that, so. That, that was a good thing, though, right? We never lost out on it. No, we didn't. No, we didn't lose a penny no. on it. It was great. No, it was, but, it was fine. You know, I, I, but I did because I lost out on chicken. You see, he lost money. I lost chicken. Oh. And I've got to say, I'd probably rather lose the money than the chicken. <laughs> yes, um, that was the the one blot on the landscape was Stephen's lack of chicken. <laughs> but you did have a uh, what is it called? A schnoodle. Uh, so it's no. all fine. A schnitzel. A schnitzel. Yes, ah, I had a schnitzel. All right. Uh, uh, a protest, if I'm honest. A protest. <laughs> I thought, well, you know, it's the closest I'm going to get to fried chicken. So, you know, there you go. I loved it, though. i got to say, apart from that one glitch of no KFC for Stephen Scott, which puts him in a mood for about 24 hours. <laughs> it, was, right, yeah. it was absolutely amazing. I loved it. Got to say thanks to Grace and uh, Mark and, of course, Mr. F. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody was amazing. God bless you, Mr. F. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was a great. It was a great trip. It was a really nice time. Nice to just spend time with people, especially to meet Grace, because we've never actually had the chance to meet her. That's I know, one thing we exactly. haven't had a chance to do. Yeah, no, it was a great time. Also, uh, a couple of things I want to just pick up on. 
Yes. Uh, since we've been away. So I've been noticing a lot of comments appearing on our YouTube episodes. Oh, are we allowed to talk about them? It's all right. It's okay. You can relax because okay. all of the comments are nice. Wow. Are you sure you're on YouTube? Yeah, but <laughs> do, they no, have but do you nice... know why? We're, we're not popular yet. Once we start to get ah, in any way popular, then it, ah, will, it will just be absolute hate city. What ah, is this okay. guy all about? Why is he wearing sunglasses indoors? <laughs> you know, we're going to get all that nonsense at some point. Uh, mm. But I want to say, uh, during one of the interviews that we put out last week when we were uh, away, there was an interview with the guys from Dot Lumen. Yes. And uh, you and I, we need to have a, um, a follow-up conversation on that because you tried this thing out. This was the, the headset, which made me think of like wearing a, a Meta Quest, but backwards. Okay, if you say so. You know, because like, there's a Meta Quest VR headset-style device, but you wear it kind of round the wrong way on your head because that big bit where the actual in, in, in the Meta Quest where the visuals are, that's where the battery is for this thing. Um, so it's kind of the same size, but it's kind of the wrong way around. And then you've got the front part, which is like a headband, and yes. then that's where the sensors are. So you were kind of I, – I thought you'd put it on the wrong way around at first. I thought they'd, they'd make dare it you, sir? fun of you. <laughs> I didn't touch it. I wasn't allowed to touch it. They put it on my head, and it was absolutely – you know what? It was perfectly comfortable, though. It hardly weighed anything. So uh, from that point of view, you barely felt my ass. That's not, mm. not exactly true, but it was absolutely fine. I'm not sure exactly how it looked. I got a few different comments about um, – well, I won't say, but how I looked with that thing on. But um, no, <laughs> from a comfort point of view, it was absolutely fine. Uh, well, yeah, we're, we're going to dig into we'll, that a little we'll bit because, uh, yeah, we should talk about that. I want to get into your kind of, of take on this. And I, I have some views that I want to <gasps> share. Let's just say expect an upcoming YouTube rant. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Because okay. I'm in a bit of a mood for a rant about this stuff. So I'll get into that at some point. Not specifically this product, but but anyway, we'll, I'll talk about that near the time. Uh, but the reason I bring it up is because during that interview with uh, Cornell from the, the company Dot Lumen. Dot Lumen. Um, yes. Lumen. D-O-T-L-U-M-E-N dot com yes. if you want to check it out. Yes, dot lumen. Yeah, dot lumen. That's yeah. not how you say it. That's how it's spelt. And it's not how it's spelt. Well, there's lots of words spelt weird ways. You don't say them. Oh, Tom, Tom, at two. Tom, no, no, at no, two. No, 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 no. Like, no that's no. how it's spelled. No, yeah, but the point is that if you could try and type Por- it in. Portato. Portato. I, I I, no, I typed L-U-M-I-N because it's lumen. But it's not. It's L-U-M-E-N. So if you pronounce it lumen, then people know what to type to look for it. But that's right. No, but then you type L-O-O because you think it's loo, as in the loo. Oh, yeah. See, lumen. That's a good point. All right. Well done. Carry on. What was I even going to tell you about? I oh, yes. have no so, idea. Yes. During the interview. This is not what I'm trying to talk about. A YouTube so, yes. comment. Yeah. During the, well, Tim, our lovely Tim, who yes. uh, listens in and, and very kindly comments on a lot of what we do, picked up on something. Now, I don't imagine you picked up on this, Tim, but I imagine somebody close to you did. Uh, oh. Because there was uh, something on the table between you and I that oh. was sitting there whilst the interview was happening. Now, Tim oh, no. picked up on this. And I said at the time, I said, I hope no one notices this. I oh. hope no one picks up on this. And I was assured by the people who were filming, Mark Flalo, that it would not be picked up. But it was. Oh. And it was my half-eaten cake that I had hastily put down. <laughs> I'm surprised it was half-eaten. Well I done. was trying my best to get through it. It was like a big pineapple thing. It was huge. And I, I managed to get through half of it. 
But I, and I was so, you know, you know that way. The problem is with the, the kind of remainder of the cake; it's dry. So you're trying to think: Do I take the risk here of trying to eat this, but spend the next three days trying to chew it without having a drink to wash it away? Mm, 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 mm. These are the things that are going through my mind. This is how I. Well, bring you're it. a hero. I, I know. I am a hero. You're absolutely right. Well, I know. You know no, please, please. I think Mark was just getting his revenge for his uh, missing refund for the missing chicken. <laughs> So uh, that was the refund. well spotted. We should have that. It's almost like a "Where's Wally?" Is "Where's Stephen Cake?" Where's the in cake? the in the YouTube video. Well done. What you, what you didn't spot though oh. was, I hope, the um, wet patches <laughs> oh, on my what? t-shirt. Because <laughs> I would use some wet wipes to very quickly try and clean off the excess <laughs> cake, cake dust. Yeah, no, no cake dust. You know, cake dust, right? No. What do you mean? Well, it, was one of those kind of, it was one of those kind of cakes that had cake dust on it. Oh, of course. Yeah, the well-known dusted cakes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you <laughs> yes. talking about? Do you know the stuff? You know, yeah, cake and suddenly all your right, hands you are all cake floury all over and yourself. sugary. Yes. Oh, this yeah, is and, it was, and of course, all fell to bits. The cake fell to bits. And so it was all over me. And I was trying to get rid of it. And here's this mm. guy. I think he's exact words were, what on earth is that? <laughs> well, that's I think, not I very nice. He, well, I don't know if he was looking at me <laughs> or the cake. Well, when we went out after filming and recording and doing everything that evening, um, Mark came up to me and said, oh, let me take that label off your T-shirt, which is obviously brand new. Oh, no. Uh, I said, thanks for that. Thanks for doing that before we started recording everything. What we did it say? 999? 999. Yes, probably. <laughs> yes. 5XL. Yes, definitely <laughs> did. Thanks, Mark. Thanks anyway, for telling me five hours late, yeah. <laughs> and all the filming anyway, was done. Where were we going with this? You know, they can CGI anything out of anything now, right? You can take a camera, you could make a film in a studio, you can make it look like you're in the middle of a city. That cake couldn't get cut out of that video. <laughs> I don't get it. Well spotted, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Um, right, look, I want to pick up on something, and we'll maybe not have time to rave about this the way I'd like to rant about it as much as I'd like to, but I do want to pick up on something. So the WebAIM results are in. Uh, this is the survey, and all the details are on our website. Go read it at uh, doubletaponair.com. It kind of runs through all the, the headlines from the, the WebAIM results survey. Now, this survey comes out every year. It's, it's, in, it's, in its I can't speak today. It's in its 10th year. Well done. And um, I'm actually really annoyed by the results. You are surprisingly annoyed. I must say, you had a rant to me. Yeah, I'm annoyed by the results. Now, you, like, like I, I can do anything read them. about it. I know, exactly. Well, I'll, I'll, yeah. I thought I'd shout at somebody. And you're yeah, so that's fine. That's why I'm here. Um, but no, go read, go read the whole thing, because it, there are some really interesting headlines that come out of it. I mean, you know, for example, a huge increase in NVDA users on PC. You'll be pleased to hear that. Yep, I noticed that. I'm not, su- not surprised at all by that, though. It's free. Why wouldn't people use it? Well, this is kind of the thing. I, but I, I think it's partly that, but I think it's also because NVDA... Is, is feeling a lot better than it's ever felt, or maybe feeling the best it's ever felt for screen reader users. You know, I, I remember coming to it what, early last year or middle last year, and I kind of just, it just clicked with me, right? You know, I tried it before, never really got it. I kind of felt it was a bit okay, wasn't quite as good really? as Jaws. I don't think it's changed that much. It gets extra features every time, and maybe they take no, it with it's the... Had a lot. it's had a lot of changes in the last year, I think, that have kind of brought it to prominence. I think the add-on store has done it a, a huge amount of good, because mm. I think it's taken the add-ons from being this thing that seems a little bit 
on the How internet do you do it? A yes. dodgy yeah. site you go to and you hopefully download the right one and you know doesn't brick your computer in the process you know it's gone from that to you know you can just get it from a little handy store and brick your computer that way no I, i'm not kidding but you know the point is <laughs> i that, still think it needs work i, I think it's still yeah, a little bit more perfect, clunky than it needs to be i'm talking about the add-on store not yeah the, the interface store. yeah 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 but no, I, I think it's good, and I just feel that it's it's kind of up there now. You know, I'm not saying it's a replacement for Jaws, and you know, I, I get people who contact me usually when I talk about this, and the, people get really worried that you know if I say I don't know why they think I've got any power here, but if, you know, they're oh if, if you say something like oh Jaws is going out and you know uh, NVDA is winning or even narrator, I had someone get in touch with me once and really shout at me because. They were like, you know, you can't say narrators at the, at the same level as Jaws. And I'm like, I'm not saying that. I've never said that. I'm not saying that if you go into an, a job that you should be using narrator. I think you need to use the right tool. But the point is that you, we cannot live in a world that Jaws is forever king. You know, there are other products out there that are doing good. NVDA is good. Narrator is growing. It's not, I don't think, at the level to take over even NVDA at this point, never mind Jaws. But... No. I think for, for there are lots of people who do certain types of jobs, who do lots of kind of jobs, they need JAWS. And that should be the case. That's what it's there for. Yep. But if someone's in, and I remember being at RNIB at the time, and I remember asking, can I use NVDA? And they had to really think about it and do some research into the application, and then they allowed us to use it. But, you know, I had to go through that process, and, I, and that was the RNIB. So it's a blind charity. At least know what it's it is. It's definitely more established now, NVDA. Definitely. I think it's getting there, yeah. It's getting there. I mean, look, I always have the worry that someone goes to their employer and says, hey, I need JAWS. And they say, hang on, I found this thing called NVDA. That's just as good. Uh, everyone says it's just as good, so we'll just get that instead. And then that person, for whatever reason, can't do their job because JAWS has the tools, has the scripting, has the capability to do Maybe the job. We had the same argument about narrator, right? I think it's different with NVDA. I think there's a difference. I think NVDA is the closest to JAWS in comparison. If you want to compare the three, I would say that in, in order of preference, or the, so if you like quality, the gold standard is JAWS. I think silver definitely goes to NVDA. And oh. bronze goes to... Well, not according no, to web aim, sir. Well, I mean in the sense of order of priority. But you're right. I mean, certainly there's still the same amount of people or similar number of people running with JAWS, but a growing number using NVDA. iOS remains most popular smartphone in the blind community among respondents. And that's kind of the bit that irritates me here. here you might think go. I'm jumping up and down, by the way, because you're thinking, oh, here we go. He's going to tell us, oh, iOS is brilliant. Oh, Android, no one's interested. Well, I, I, actually, oh. this is kind of the point. Because it's actually, the answer to this is within the respondents themselves. The number of people who responded. How many people do you think responded to this survey? Oh, um, oh at least um, not many. I'm going to be Give honest with you. Not many. Ah, uh, I don't know. 10,000. If it was 10,000, I'd be leaping up and down with excitement. Okay. Go on. It was 1,500 people, just over 1,500 valid responses. So maybe more people got involved, but valid responses around 1,500, 1,590, something like that. Um, I think that's shockingly low. I think that's shockingly Why, low. Why? I, no, I agree with you. When you consider you know, how many of us are here, and use technology. I, I totally agree with you. I thought I was lowballing at ten thousand. I thought, but fifteen hundred. I mean, are you really surprised by that? How many people actually do things like this? Yeah, but that's not part? good enough. 
That's not. It's, it's the people who say, "Oh, I don't vote because I can't be bothered," and then spend the next four years complaining about whatever government gets it. Yes, it's like that's not good enough. You've got to yeah, stand but, up and be counted. And it's not like there's many of these surveys around. In exactly. This particular, in this case, there are. There's literally probably nothing else. I mean, there's, I think there's a couple of other surveys that go on, but there's not many, and I don't think there's any that stand out to me and have been highlighted to me through social media, through other platforms that have actually been as uh, available and accessible. It's a very simple exercise. It's not a long survey at all. It does pick on some really interesting areas. They, they manage to do the questions really well because they, they consolidate a lot into this, and it doesn't take a lot of time to do. And look, I did it. I did it. And I am put- the I am the one of these people who do nothing like this. I'm like if someone asks me in the street, can do you want to take five minutes? No, go away. But no, with this, I totally I thought, agree it's with important. You. I've got to do it. And I did. But that's the thing, right? I'm gonna put my hands up. I didn't do it. I totally forgot about it. I didn't do it. And you're right, that is that is bad because I know how important it is and I know what, what comes from this and what decisions are sometimes made from these results. So that's terrible on me. But do you think people really get why they should do it? Do you think they know it is important? Uh, well, it depends what you think of what importance is, right? Because you're right. I mean, if people think to themselves, okay, so I do this, so what? What happens? Well, I'll tell you what happens. Here's one. People will say things like, well, iOS is the number one phone in the smartphone world for blind people. Now, that may well be true, but I don't think you can actually say that's true on 1,500 results. I don't know if that's enough to give me the confidence in the result of that survey. I agree. I agree. It's, it's, it's such a small sample pool um, from the, the general pool uh, that, yeah, I think you've you got to take it with a pinch of salt. If it was 15,000 or 20,000 results, I mean, even that's still quite low. But if it, say it was, it was 50,000 people had responded and the same results came out, I'd far more believe that. It's not that I don't believe the results. I, I do, and I understand you know, where they come from, but it's such, a, it's such a low number that I feel that... And this isn't on WebAIM, by the way, so I'm not picking on them. I'm no, not picking... I'm no, quite the opposite. No. I'm standing up for them. I'm saying, I think you know they've what? Done quite we all need to do better here. In publicising it, to be fair. I think they've done quite... Like you say, it's the one I always think of in anything like this. <sighs> I think, I, we need to, I think we need to. I think we need to push it more here, and we'll do our bit for it. But I think we need to try and engage more with this because there's no total number. I mean, we can't. It's not like an election where you can look at turnout and say, "Well, eighty-six percent of the public voted," or whatever. We don't. We can't know that. But I think we need more than fifteen hundred responses, and I think that's something we've got to think about as a community because people are looking at those studies, those surveys. Action is being taken up on the basis of it. You know, people are saying there's issues and concerns around things. Now, everything that's come out of it kind of makes sense to me. Issues with captures, for example, a lot of the website issues people are noticing, um, interactive elements not working properly, uh, buttons not labeled correctly, not entirely sure what, you know, elements are. These are common issues. There's a commonality that kind of extends irrespective of how many people were to engage with this. That would be, I think, fair to say. But I think we just need a bigger sample. And the only way to get that bigger sample is more people to take part. So when it comes out next year, you know, I'd, I'd love WebAIM to push it a bit more. Let us know when it's coming out. We'll do our bit. We and we'll should push, push it best we can. More. Yeah, yes. we will. We will. Yep. And, you know, I haven't, I, I kind of, it's only, and I know it's one of those things, that, and it's true what they say, nothing's a problem until it happens to you. Yes, um, it's true. It is. You know, I, I didn't engage with it at all for years, partly because yeah. I didn't even know it existed. 
Yeah. And then when I did find out about it, I thought, this is really interesting. I must engage. And of course, being a screen reader user now fully, now you're more you kind of feel you kind of feel it's responsible to do it, right? Um, because there's issues in there and there's things, and I understand a lot of people might struggle, but you know, equally, if you are a screen reader user and it's for you, I'm not. No one's expecting someone who isn't comfortable with the web or you know at that stage to to use it because that's not really who it's for. But what it is for is to kind of help people who aren't able to do things because not because of their fault of their own, but because the website isn't accessible enough or because the issues are prevalent with you know captures or whatever it might be. Yeah, these are the issues that people who struggle online. When I when I was at that early stage, you know, terrified to open my browser. The one thing I would never do at the beginning, I would never open the browser. I'd go on the computer, I'd do what I had to do. I'd open Edition or I'd open Audacity or I'd open Outlook and I'd work through the the applications. If I had to go online, it was a really nervous moment because it felt like you were in the Wild West at that point. You know, I mean, it was called Safari and I felt like I was actually on a Safari, (laughs) but I'd be eaten by a tiger, which was, you know, an unlabeled button at any given minute. And I think that's the problem. You know, there's a lot of people who are struggling with that. And a lot of people think this, that they're making mistakes on websites, but they're not because the websites aren't functioning properly. The only way that can be fixed is by surveys like this highlighting the problems and then leading to you know, further engagement and awareness. But it yes. has to come from the right place. That is how change happens. I totally and agree. And we need to all be engaged with that. So, yeah, I think more I, of us I need agree, to but I, I, I totally understand how people didn't. I think sometimes we feel detached from having any effect, any any possibility of making a difference. I think we feel detached, and sometimes we just forget about things. So I don't think, like you said, I think it's not web aims for whatsoever. No, I'm it's not even. To do with them. I'm not even blaming the people that didn't do it. As I said, I didn't do it. That's that's on me. But I think we just need to push it a bit more. Yeah. We could have no, pushed I'm not, it bl- a few, no, few no, weeks I'm not blaming before. anybody. I'm not blaming people. No, no, no. Everyone's I, I, got busy I, I, lives. We've all got things to do. I get it. I mean, I was the same. I was, you know, kind of, <laughs> I'm one of these people. I was looking at the deadline day to see, right, how late can I do this? Yes, you know, that's right. That's how yes. I tend to. It's like when I need to do it, I'll do it. But I, I did take the time and to do it only because I thought this, this is worth signing. This is worth getting involved in. And I just I feel agree. if more of us who have got five minutes and who are able to do this, put our voice to this, I think because I feel that the Android community to me is growing. And I don't think it's, you know, I think it was 70% versus 30% to iOS. And I I thought, that's just, is that really true? I mean, it it kind of does make sense in a way. If you feel that in the community, there's more. In our community, I think so. It probably is true. Certainly in, in the West of the world, I think that's very true. Yes. Um, again, this maybe isn't an international survey. I don't know how far and wide this spreads. I don't know how many people from other countries engage. I don't know how much that's. Uh, Those numbers uh, could be reversed if you go to other countries. I would agree. Yeah. In I'd Android's favour. Yeah. Yeah. But I just wonder if that balance is maybe tipping a little bit more than we think. I don't know. I just I feel because there's a lot of people, a lot of blind people, talking about Android these days. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not saying it's all anecdotal, right? But the fact that you're hearing that as opposed to before, where I, I would be not surprised at all if it was 95% to iOS. Yeah, yeah. But that, that shift is definitely happening. And I don't know if the results are picking up on it. And that's what I want to know. I want to know that. 
And you're putting that purely down to the small amount of people that took part. Can we really yeah. take anything or learn anything from those numbers? Mm. I don't know. I'm not a statistician. Oh, that was brave. Oof. I don't um, think you said it right, but yeah, it sounded uh, no. good enough to me. <laughs> statistician. Oh, no. Uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how much uh, uh, value a small number like that has, but there, there may be, it still may be worthwhile. Well, you know what? It's better than nothing, and it's better than nothing because True. We, we, we need some kind of stats to, to begin from somewhere. So yes. well done to WebAIM. Brilliant survey, carried out really well, brilliantly accessible. I mean, it would be kind of funny if it wasn't, right? But it was. <laughs> it uh, be, so, you yes. know, brilliant work uh, on that and something I'll certainly support in the future. Uh, listen, stick around. We're going to have uh, David Lepofsky. He's a former disability rights lawyer. He joins us next. Yeah, I think Mr. F uh, perhaps thought we needed a lawyer in the room. So he sent one. Uh, that's coming up next here on Double Tap. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567 or email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. You're listening to Double Tap and uh, Sean with us today, uh, a guest who was uh, joining us recently on uh, Access Tech Live, myself and Marco Flando, of course, hosting that show, every single Thursday, 12 noon Eastern on AMI-TV and on YouTube and on AMI+, and on Tooth Fillings as well, if you uh, search hard enough. Um, What a plug. That was amazing. (laughs) Uh, David Lepofsky was with us. Uh, Now, I have to say, David, uh, welcome to uh, Double Tap. It's great to have you here on the show. Uh, I know you're a disability rights attorney. Uh, I'm hearing lawyer in there. And I'm I'm just wondering, have you, I know you got in touch with us. Is that because you were were told that perhaps we needed a lawyer and that, you know, perhaps you maybe should get in touch and, and suggest we stop doing this thing immediately? Uh, actually, I'm a retired lawyer, so I can't actually give anybody advice, <sighs> but it never stops me from shooting off my mouth and giving my opinions, of course. <laughs> oh, well, you're very welcome here on Double Tap. Uh, <laughs> and listen, you reached out to me, and, and very kindly you, you reached out. And of course, for, for many listeners to AMI uh, Audio and AMI TV viewers as well, you will be well known because you have uh, popped up on Now with Dave Brown and Kelly and Ramia's show as well, uh, talking about a range of different things. Uh, but you kindly reached out here to us at Double Tap, and we got you on Access Tech Live. The TV people jumped in first. That's it's basically what happened. Uh, but you know what? The real conversation happens here, right? And you know what I love about David Lepofsky? He sends detailed files. He's yeah, a proper lawyer. Sends detailed files, and a bill, I should say, as well. I think there's a bill attached to this for his side. Slightly site. nervous now. Yeah. <laughs> I bleed the fifth. <laughs> Uh, I don't think that works Does in Canada, Sean. Uh, I'm fairly okay. sure that doesn't work. Uh, but yeah, we. But we, you can try. Did say, you can try. You Go can ahead. try. Well, absolutely. Well, he is very trying. I'll give you that. Uh, but yeah, so uh, you sent detailed files uh, to me uh, of things you wanted to talk about, and I've got to say, I'm so glad you did because there's a lot you want to cover. And I think, if I'm honest, David, this is going to be one of many conversations we have because there's a lot to talk about, and um, I, I don't even know where to start. I mean. I, <laughs> We were just talking before you came on about the this sono, so, sonar guide. You Sonic were talking about? guide. Sonic guide, right? The, not not the hedgehog. So, so no, no, you got it. And, and just to let your <laughs> listeners know, I mean, I regularly <clears throat> listen to and enjoy your uh, your your podcast, but I periodically start screaming at my iPhone because I want to give you my answer. 
So I wrote and said, I want to come on and get even with you guys because there's stuff you've talked about that on occasion, you know, I might not agree with. Now, you can't imagine a lawyer disagreeing with people. Absolutely not. No. Um, uh, okay, well, maybe we should start there. What have yes. we said recently you disagree Objection. with? Well, let, okay, let me start with <laughs> let, let me start with my, my, my rant of the day, uh, okay. and that is the Bose frames, which I'm wearing as, as we speak. Um, I know they're discontinued, which I think is devastating. Um, I think they're fantastic. In fact, I think they are the uh, probably one of the greatest mainstream non-adaptive tech innovation f that blind people have been able to uh, benefit from in years. Now, I haven't tried out all the competitors. Um, in fact, I've only tried out one. The Amazon Echo Frames third generation are not even available in Canada. I went online and they, they don't sell them here. Um, what's great about them uh, is that you pop them on, you pair them with your, your iPhone, and then you can be walking down the street, having your iPhone give you talking GPS directions if you're using nearby Explorer or Soundscape or Voice Vista or whatever, and the speakers are in the arms of the uh, of of the glasses, so you don't have to have anything that would block airflow over your ears. Other uh, than the legs, no. Yeah. he was correct the uh, first time. Well, well, they're called arms. But yes, thank maybe you. Your, if yours are legs, it's an image I, I sort of don't want to imagine. <laughs> um, but anyway, you can make phone calls. Of course, you could be listening to a podcast. Uh, I could even be, you know, sitting with other people and a text message comes in. Sighted folks would look down at their Apple Watch or their phone. Um, mine is audible to me, but not to anybody else because it just comes through these uh, the little speakers. I think they're fantastic. And, and the anything else I've looked at, which, as I said, is only like one or two, the volume was much lower. I'm using the Bose Frames Tempo, uh, and they had the, the, the loudest volume. It's not audiophile sound, but it's fine. I, I find that I, uh, I just have to explain to people why the heck I'm wearing sunglasses indoors. But okay, so everything you're saying so far I'm agreeing with. So where do we disagree? Uh, I think you were musing about whether there were uh, other options out there or whatever, and maybe their time has passed because Bose isn't uh, marketing them. And I, I, uh, I, I actually went out... And bought up with uh, a couple of back uh, additional uh, uh, ones just because eventually these things will, will die on me and I need to replace them. But I think they are, I put them way up to the top of the list of uh, adaptive tech that's really good for us. No, listen, I, I agree with all of that. But I, th I think what I was talking about, though, was the fact that, you know, it clearly a main, as a mainstream product, they are not selling. They're not. It's not working out. Now, this could be specific to Bose because they were really, I mean, other than Meta with Ray-Ban, and of course it's not, it's, it's Meta working with Ray-Ban, Ray-Ban themselves coming up with the glasses. That's really the only other option out there. They've, of course, got the added camera in them as well. And it's all linked to Instagram and, you know, the ability to take photographs of your own face on a fairly regular basis, which does seem to appeal to people. Uh, and other people's faces, apparently as well. That is now popular. If you could take photos with whilst you're wearing glasses, that's a well, good you, camera. You, you stay in the mirror. That's what they all do nowadays, isn't uh, it? Oh, I see. Sorry, Stephen. I'm not the selfie king like yourself. Well, you know, I've thought about this. So Yeah, you obviously have. Well, I've got a lawyer here. I've, I've got to be careful, right? I've got to, <laughs> a retired <laughs> lawyer. Okay, but retired. But, you know, I, I, still think, I still think you could take me down. Um, 
But, you know, here's the thing. You know, I think that the companies themselves that make these particular products, and Bose, of course, being the main one that produced the Bose frames, that style of product just doesn't seem to be working out for people. And I think that's the problem. It's not working in the mainstream. It does for us. I don't disagree. Yeah, I, that, that that may well be the case. And I mean, part of the frustration is Bose closed all their stores in North, North America, as far as I can see. So they're, they're not marketing their own stuff anymore. You can walk into a Best Buy, which are themselves uh, an endangered species to, to look for them. But these are the kind of things which people need to put on and try before they they can really see if they want them. But it, it, it's just, it's rare for me to find a piece of mainstream tech apart from, you know, of course, the iPhone, of course, itself, but that has adaptive features. The the Bose frames don't. Anyway, that, that was one. The next one I wanted to rant about was the Braille watch, the sad uh, Braille watch. I love the Braille watch, um, and I love it for multiple reasons. I know there's talking watches, and those watches where you can count the taps and stuff. Um, the problem with the with the talking watches for me is they they totally don't give you privacy. I could check the time with my Braille watch uh, without anybody hearing it. I could excuse me. I I could check the time with my Braille watch with my hands behind my back, which I did in court all the time when I was making arguments and timing my argument precisely so that it, course, yeah. it reached the culminating point just before a mid-morning scheduled break. Uh, and uh, uh, and it, it totally, it, it gives you that kind of privacy that an Apple Watch or something else like that uh, doesn't give you. Uh, and it, it, it saddens me that it seems that the Braille Watch is uh, being either carried less or used less uh, and and I think that it's it's a great it's a great idea. the The tragedy of the Apple Watch is for all of the technology that it includes, for all the computing power it includes. Um, you still there, well, the two tragedies of the Apple Watch to me one is it's still not got a Braille display, and it never will, of course. So it doesn't replace the functionality of the Braille Watch. So if I was going to wear an Apple Watch, I'd also wear a Braille Watch, um, and the. The second tragedy of the Braille Watch is, go figure, it's supposed to be the device for health. That's their big marketing angle. But I, I called up Apple, and I also walked to an Apple store, into an Apple store, and said, hey, if I buy this thing, can I just with one tap know how many steps I've taken today? And there was this long fussing, and, well, no, you've got to actually tap on this and then flick down this number of things, and then uh, and then you'll get to it. But you can't just have it the way sighted people have a Fitbit where they just look at it and they know their steps. And I figured, for all the computing power on the thing, why the heck can't I just tell what my steps are? I'm, I'm going to let Sean answer that one for you. Because I, I think Sean's going to fight back against this one. Oh, do you really? Mm. Thanks. You throw me under the bus with this one because, of course, I am the fitness correspondent. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I know you walk <laughs> from the house to the shed, so that's more than I do. <laughs> I, you know what? I agree with you. I think there are many shortcomings when it comes to smartwatches where simplicity is better. But of course, everything is packed with technology now. We want our notifications. We want our fitness tracking, which you just don't get in your standard tactile Braille watch, at least. But when it comes to steps, I'm sure you could do something with shortcuts, but then it'll probably be spoken rather than a, you know, something you what could... a complication on the home? screen can we do well, that? yeah but i haven't actually seen one if you go to the fitness watch face whatever that's called where you get your rings it doesn't tell you the steps yeah. if you ask siri 
I don't think it actually just tells you the steps directly. No, it doesn't. I think it tells you takes you to the health app mm-hmm. or whatever it's called. Yeah, no, that's I, I specifically asked. I said, like, I'm at the store, I'd I'd consider buying this just but this is what I'm looking for. Will it do it? And they just I'm sure there. people will be emailing in and shouting at their uh whatever they're listening to this on right now saying i know how to do that so we will find out but um i mean Stephen did really come down hard on braille watches i thought that myself actually david how when he dare said, you when how he said they were all terrible you? i did not say they were terrible that's lies objection <laughs> <laughs> well similarly when you know if i'm giving a talk somewhere i i'm uh you know they give you 20 minutes i've got to be um, tracking the time literally minute by minute, yeah. not just in a courtroom. Or if I'm doing a media interview and I know they've only given me four minutes on CBC radio and I've got points I want to make, I'm, I by literally, that watch is open. I'm tracking it to the second. My issue, though, is with the quality of the watch. That's what I've found the issue being. A lot of the ones being sold today don't seem to be built in the same way. A lot of the reviews, I was reading a couple of reviews on Amazon about one in particular, and it said, you know, within a few days, the hands fell off. You know, and you think that's just rubbish. I mean, the ones that were made fifty years ago, perhaps I think they were made much better. I'd have one of those back in my day. Well, yes. not quite my day, but you know, someone else's day. <laughs> you know, they, they were certainly built better because they were obviously used much more because that probably was one of the only ways for blind people to tell the time. Now, the other, because we're completely following no theme and completely incoherent, which is, I suppose, what we would call in my line of work, legal reasoning. Or we call um, double tap. The, the yes. Yeah. The other thing we were chatting about before we, we started recording here, I, I thought your listeners would be interested to know about a device that sadly is not available that I used starting about f- almost 50 years ago uh, and that I wish someone would revive. <laughs> it was called the Sonic Guide, S-O-N-I-C Guide. It was a mobility device uh, for blind people using ultrasound using sonar. So what it was, was a pair of glasses, um, kind of a hefty pair of glasses that had a battery wired to them through a cable. You had a cable coming out of one of the arms, legs, whatever you want to call the appendage, to a, a, a down to a battery that, uh, and the battery was not big, but you kind of wore it around a couple of inches by a couple of inches that you wore in a battery pack over your shoulder. Um, and it had a uh, three sonar transducers over over uh, on the glasses. Uh, one sent out a beam of ultrasound, and two picked up the reflected uh, sound waves, and it converted them to sounds. And the way you heard the sound code was through a couple of ear couplings that dropped down from the arms of the glasses, one in each ear. They didn't block out your outside hearing. This was long before we had Bose frames or, or shocks or you know, bone conduction technology or whatever. And, and the audio you got back was a, a, a pulse. It was a whoosh, 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 uh, kind of a white noise thing. But if there were any objects within six meters in front of you, you got a sound. Um, and depending on how close it was, it was a higher pitch or a lower pitch. The closer it was within the six meters, it was lower and lower. The further away, it was higher and higher. And depending on if it was a solid wall, it was a solid sound, a, a, a hard sound. If it was something like um, a bush, it was a soft sound. And you got to, through training, which I took, you learned to interpret these codes, these sounds. And so you could walk. It did not replace a cane or a guide dog. I use a cane. You'd you'd walk with the cane, um, 
And it would tell you uh, more information about objects around you, in front of you, within six meters. It let me walk with a lot more. I could walk quicker. Uh, I'd walk more quickly, I guess I'd say. Uh, and uh, because if there's a, a tree or a post or a pole or something in front of you, uh, you'd know about it when it was six meters away. You would have things you could navigate by. If there's, I remember I could line up uh, for a bus, and if there were people in front of me, I could track the person in front of me. If they stepped forward, I'd step oh, forward. Yes. If they stopped, I'd stop. I had somebody once tap me on the shoulder and say, why do you have that cane? You're not blind. Uh, <laughs> because I was acting... Um, in a way that was looked like I was sighted. And of course, because it's on your face, because you're wearing the glasses on your face, uh, you naturally aim it by looking around. Um, and and it was it was absolutely fabulous. Now, this cost about fifteen hundred dollars Canadian in nineteen seventy five dollars. Um, so that would be a lot more now. But but given what new technology we have, like the iPhone for the uh, for the computer processing, like Bluetooth headphones or the Bose frames or whatever, this ought to be much more easily done now than it ever was 50 years ago. I don't know if you heard our interview with Lighthouse Tech uh, during our CES coverage when we were talking to them about this, because they've been developing this kind of product now for some time. And it's exactly what you're talking about, a pair of glasses. And I have to say, they're not alone. There's a lot of companies out there developing products wearing, you know, that involve wearing glasses and that give you smart navigation. And they're really just focused on navigation. It's not got the, the Bose innards that perhaps we would like as well. That's the only thing I, I feel it would be nice to have like a, an all-in-one solution because I don't want to have pairs of glasses on tops of pairs of glasses, right? Um, but right. you know the, there are devices like this out there that are coming out. The problem, of course, is getting those devices onto the market, making them uh, a good price that people will want to spend money on and buy, and then of course making sure they're sustainable. I want to ask you a question about this because you know you said you took training on this device, you spent time on it, you spent a lot of money on it, and now that device is is dead and buried essentially. And I just wonder from your point of view because I, I don't use these kind of devices. And I think to myself, is it worth the time and effort to put into a device like that when the support may not be there long term? Would I be better focusing my attentions on, say, an app on a smartphone that is perhaps going to be there longer term than a device like this might get support for? Um, I, I don't think it's either or, because for one thing, how many apps do we have on our phones that we haven't had the time to figure out how to use them? If, you, if the device is going to give you this kind of functionality, it's going to require some training. Um, and it, the problem that I gathered from this device uh, and ones like it is you really need to have both the device on the market and orientation mobility uh, instructors who are trained on how to train in it. This is not the kind of thing you can learn yourself. Um, and uh, it was an orientation mobility instructor who convinced me to look at it and who trained me on it and had that person not shown it to me. And then uh, when I got uh, the funding for it, um, trained me on it, um, I, uh, I would never have used it. And in fact, I gather that one of the problems with marketing some of these uh, devices is um, reaching orientation mobility instructors, you know, around uh, the communities where they could be used 
getting them to know about them, getting them trained up on them, and therefore getting them able to assist clients with them. And and without that, um, it it's you got a problem. The the when this was developed, we you know in the seventies there was no lidar, uh, and you might think, well, lidar is available now on our iPhones. That there's so much tech they could harness that's even more sophisticated than sonar. Um, I suspect that sonar is as good or better, and I'll tell you why. Um, when you use visual like light information coming in, you you got to figure out how to decode it and convert it to sound that screens out stuff we don't care about and tells us about the objects we do care about. Um, ultrasound works, sonar works, because it reflects off of anything that's that's solid. If it's solid, I want to know about it. If it's not solid, I don't, for navigation purposes. Um, and uh, so the... the it, and now, of course, there's a lot more miniaturized sonar technology than there was in the 70s. So, so I, I still think that there's a place for these. And, uh, but, and what there is available now is modalities that weren't available 50 years ago, like training videos you can put up on YouTube that'll demonstrate it and get people, get people interested in them. So I think there, there is a place um, we need some um, uh, IT startups who want to try to figure this out, to figure, you know, to to get into it. And, and and some of our listeners may remember a device called the Buzz Clip, yes, which was a uh, a device you could just clip on your pocket, and it would use ultrasound, but it would just tell you if there's an object or if there's not by buzzing or vibrating. Uh, but it wouldn't give you any information about what it is. That's an ob- object or an obstacle detector. What the um, what the sonic guide was was much more. It was an environmental sensor. It gave you a lot more information. Uh, and uh, think of just enriching yourself with a whole lot more landmarks out there that that aid you in navigating, so that they don't have to be landmarks that your cane or your feet, your feet physically contact uh, uh, in order to assist you in navigating. Uh, and uh, I think it's just got huge potential, and I'm very sad that uh, we don't have them available now. You know what? I totally agree with everything you just said there. Absolutely. Except, hasn't it already been tested and proven that we don't want it? It doesn't work. I mean, the Sunu band went away. Doesn't we walk? The WeWalk Cane have sonar built in. There's been sonar vibrating glasses for the longest time, for decades, and no one seems to really care about those either. I will say something. When we were talking about the Sonic Guide glasses there, um, I I love the image, by the way, of wearing these big glasses in the 1970s with uh, a battery slung over your shoulder. I mean, the radiation coming off these things, I'm surprised anyone's got any hair left, but... (laughs) It sounds, I don't. <laughs> I don't have any here. That's why. I, but the thing that really stood out to me, and I, I don't know of any other sonar devices that I've tried, these were stereo. Mm. So you could tell if something was off to the left or right, which I think is. Well, that's what they're doing with Lighthouse useful. Tech. That's exactly what they're developing. They're developing that now. If you can picture this, with part of my training, they would set up, a, 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 my, my instructor would set up a series of poles, like a tetherball pole, in a parking lot. And I had to navigate around them. 
again, not using my cane, like go slalom around, around one to the left, around one to the right. And I could do that. Um, now, let me tell you about the Sunu Band, and I have not tried the Wewak. I did get the Sunu Band, and I, I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, me neither. And, and it had, there are three problems. Uh, and I admire anyone who tries these, but the, to get these uh, technology to work for us. Um, the first is, it, it, it too was an obstacle detector only. It just buzzed if there was something there, not telling you anything about it. Uh, of course, it wasn't stereo. The, the second problem was it was on your wrist. Um, and so as you're walking, if your arm swings, as ours always does, it's going to give you a buzz just because it sees the ground. So I don't know if I'm getting a buzz because there's an object in front of me or it's just picking up the fact there's a ground underneath me, which, you know, unless I'm in zero gravity, I don't need to know that. Um, um and I'm not going to be in zero gravity anytime soon, I regret. Um, so the the third thing is, in designing these devices, they've got to decide, these environmental sensor devices for us, they've got to decide several things. One is, what's the data collection? Is it going to be light? Is it going to be ultrasound? Is it going to be radar? What's it going to be? The second thing is, um, where are you going to wear it? On your wrist, on your, uh, on your face, uh, like glasses or wear? Um, and then the next issue is going to be, how does it give you feedback? Um, a, a number of them do it by vibration. And I didn't like that personally. Others may like it. I didn't like it. I found sound easier to interpret. It could be more nuanced. You could tell the difference between different sounds much more easily than trying to concentrate on different kinds of vibrations on your wrist. Um, and so uh, I, I thought that the Sonic Guide brought the right uh, version the right three right decisions on each of these uh, decision points. Mm. Now, of course, it didn't go as far as it could have, you know, fifty years ago. But it's fifty years later. It would be great if someone would take another crack at it. I think there's two things that come up in my mind. One is that they um, they need to do better. I think at making these products easier to use out of the box. I think if you if you're relying on orientation and mobility specialists to be able to get behind this technology i think it's it's going to fall apart at the seams because first off you know that might work in one area but it may not work in all areas and you know we've seen so many examples of products that you know are very popular in one part of the world and never make it anywhere else uh, so that's one issue and i think the other thing that comes to mind is the marketing Oftentimes, these products are marketed as the cane replacement or the guide dog replacement. You know what, companies, you've got to stop doing that. You've got to stop doing that because they're not. That's not what these things are. And we all know that. Those of us who use a cane, who have a guide dog, who navigate with those aids every day, know that we, we cannot give those up. We are probably never going to get away from guide dogs and Canes, I don't think in our lifetime for sure. So, you know, these are additional elements, additional pieces of technology in our life that can make a difference. And I think if companies, you know, they need to start realizing that, they need to start marketing that way, because that, I think, is also putting people off. Yeah, no, I, I gotcha. And uh, in, in the case of the devices I've been talking about, they all indicate that they, you know, they aren't a cane replacement, but that's, um, that's important. And then media pick up on it, right? And media say, oh, here we go. It's the, it's the cane replacement. You know, here we go again. Right. And it's not, yeah. you know. Have you tried the mini guide? David? I have not. What is the mini guide? So the mini guide, it's the same. Handheld though, isn't it? 
it is handheld. It's like a, a torch, uh, like a flashlight, but smaller. Um, but that's the only sonar device that I've heard really good reports uh, from. But again, I think that's a vibrating device. But there is some sort, I'm sure there's some sort of pattern that, that determines the, the hardness of the reflection, if you know what I mean. So you could tell well, a, sequ- a tree a, a, from a, a sequel to the, the Sonic Guide from the same technology that Dr. K came up with was called the K Sonar. And it was the same thing. It was a handheld, but it was, and it produced the same kind of audio the Sonic Guide did. But the problem was it was mono, not stereo. And for me, not having the stereo was losing uh, a huge amount of the data I, I enjoyed. And you could either, with the K-Sonar, uh, which was available, oh, I don't know, about 15 years ago, you could either uh, hold it in your hand. It actually looked like a gun, a handgun. Uh, or you could mount it on your cane. But that, again, any of these devices on canes, assume that you're holding your cane at precisely the right angle as you're aiming yes. it. I, I but, you know, the thing that comes to mind with all of this stuff is is the distribution model of it, right? So if you're selling this for 1500 bucks or whatever it is, it is just not achievable for most people. You know, what we really need to have is a third device, something like this, someone who comes up with the idea, which is that additional, you know, giving you information about what's above you, what's what's coming up towards you, you know, essentially exactly what you're describing, but making that so affordable that it can be provided by governments and councils like, for example, white canes often are in, in most countries, um, like guide dogs are made available. You know, there's a, there's a structure behind all that which makes it possible for these devices to get into the hands, the dogs to get to people who need them without a huge cost on us, the, the consumer. There needs to be something in that category, right? The price could include a training component. Um in, in my case, I have to tell you, there, uh, uh, there's a kind of a personal story on this, which is uh, back in 1975, we, or 1976, we, we had a social assistance program in Ontario uh, where you could apply to get these covered if you could show that it was going to help you with your career. So I applied. Um, they refused it. So I filed an appeal. I was in first year law school. It was the first case I ever argued I uh, was going to a social assistance tribunal, um, and we we have an old adage in the legal profession that anybody who has themselves as their lawyer has a fool for a client. So I had a fool for a client, um, and I went. I brought an orientation mobility instructor, and I'm I'm questioning her to explain why it's uh, why this is so effective. And partway through the hearing, the the official from the government who had refused me said. Okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> and I, and, okay, and fine. Now, now you got to understand this. A normal human being would have said, "Yay, I won!" But no, I wanted a ruling. I wanted a. De- I'm now in law school. I want a written decision. <laughs> I, don't just cave in on me. Of course, I took what I was offered. Yeah. He said they'd pay for it, so they did. Um, David, it's been. So much fun having you on the show. Thank you for coming on and um, bringing you all your ideas with you as well. Come back again soon because I'm sure we'll be talking about things over the next few months that you'll want to comment on without shadow of a doubt. I'll be listening and building up another rant for you. <laughs> Just build up another rant. I was going to say building up a case. <laughs> oh, he's retired. It's fine. It's oh, fine. It's okay. We're safe. <laughs> we can say what we like. Uh, David Lepofsky, thank you so much for coming on to Double Tap. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. 
And there you go, Sean. Another rant. I love a rant. Well, I'm not sure if it was a rant, to be honest. I think David was more ranting at us because he likes to shout at the show. So Yeah, fair enough. That's <laughs> yeah. it. Well, if you want to come on the show and shout at us, you're more than welcome to. We love it. We welcome it. Um, you know, as long as you're not cheeky. Although, no, fairness, no. that's okay, too, because I, 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 you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm fairly cheeky myself. Uh, listen, that's it for today. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we've got some really interesting demos and interviews coming up, more from Zero Project Conference in the next few days as well. Uh, but do keep in touch with us. We'll get into your feedback on tomorrow's show. Uh, DoubleTap at onair.com is the website. Feedback at DoubleTapOnAir.com is the email address. one 877 is our call-in number. And, of course, we're at Double Tap all over social media as well. I will catch you tomorrow. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.